Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So just take in a deep breath. Let it out. Okay, you made it. You made it to Christmas. It's a bit of a struggle. It's a lot of work to get here, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, you're just like, how's everything going to work? Shipping, I've noticed like for presents, you've got two options in that struggle. It's like it's going to come December 3rd or January 9th. And anything between that, you're just kind of holding your breath. You have no idea. There's all sorts of struggles around Christmas. I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a peaceful, it's a wonderful time, but it takes some fighting and some work. You know, one of the struggles with uh, your kids, for example, is like we tell the kids like, okay, it's not about stuff, right? But then you hand them a catalog and you're like, circle all the stuff you could possibly want in your entire life. But it's not about stuff, right? So we're kind of fighting like uh, between the excitement of the gifts and the real meaning of Christmas. And you know, Christmas, of course, it is all about peace. It's about light in the darkness. But the light didn't just get invited in by the darkness. The darkness didn't want to see the light. There actually was a struggle because light was invading darkness. And I want to show you, even the way that Jesus came and and was born, there was struggle. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to Matthew 2. And I just want to read part of the Christmas story as Matthew talks about it. And he talks about these magi or these wise men who come to visit Jesus. And it's Matthew 2, verse 1. And it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi or wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born? Now catch this important phrase, King of the Jews. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. So Micah wrote this hundreds of years before it happened. And it said, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd, the shepherd, such a good word, the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me that I too may go and worship him. And if you know the story, you know that Herod has no intention to go worship Jesus. He has an intention to eliminate the light and to eliminate Jesus because Herod's title actually was King of the Jews. That is the title that Caesar, that Rome had given him. And he was an oppressive, horrible ruler. And he wasn't going to let anyone else come in and reign in on his parade. He didn't want the light coming into his darkness. In fact, uh, he was, I mean, just an awful guy. He executed his two sons so that they wouldn't take the crown. He, he also, he set a, up a, an order that on the day of his death, they were supposed to execute a number of nobles because he wanted to make sure there were tears and crying on the day. I mean, the guy was just a horrible, dark guy. And so he comes after Jesus. And see, there's this struggle between good and a struggle between evil. Light is coming into the darkness and the darkness doesn't want any part of it. Now, you've seen it, I mean, and the struggle all the time, you see it still today, evil and good, light and dark. I mean, we see it in our movies like Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, right? The struggle of good and evil. Oh, do you know what, by the way, how does Darth Vader uh, like his toast? He prefers it on the dark side. Come on, that's good. I don't care what you say, that's good. 
All right, so that's a, a struggle. And then we all have our personal struggle. Like, here's the struggle, me versus the self-checkout machine. Uh, I mean, it's like, I don't, I didn't put anything in the bagging area. I know I don't want an attendant. How do, you know, we're always like struggling to move forward, good versus evil, right? But this, uh, this struggle that we see here, it's just different. It's different in how it starts. I mean, it's so immense in what it touches and so immense in what it means, but it comes in such a small, tiny, small way. Light coming into the darkness. Hope, hope to a needy, broken, sinful world. I mean, right now, today, our world is hungry for hope. Our world is hungry for light. And Christ has come to bring that life, to bring that freedom, to, to push back the darkness. But it's a struggle. And so we see, picking up in our passage here in verse 9, and it says, And they heard the king, after they heard the king, this is the wise men, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And isn't it amazing the way that the light, the way this epic battle, the way this fight happens is in a stable, in a manger. I mean, it's hard for us to imagine that. I mean, most of us, not all of us, but most of us were born in a hospital, right? Like a germ-free environment. And where does the King of Kings and Lord of Lords comes? He comes into a place where animals eat. What an amazing entrance. That's how light comes into the darkness. That's how the hope entered a broken world. And it's no coincidence that the place that he was going for, that they could not find a place to stay. There was no room in any of the inns, so they had to go into a stable. You know, it's the same problem with many of us today. You know, that many of us actually, part of our struggle right now is we all have a little bit of a Herod complex where we want to be king. I want to be king of the Carls, at least king of this Carl, right? And the question is, are we going to bow the knee to the king? Part of the struggle. We all have a bit of a Herod in us, don't we? And so then the struggle continues. And I want to move just, just for a, a minute. I want to move quickly to the end of the struggle. So Jesus grows up. Herod actually dies. And his son, Herod Antipas, comes up onto the scene. And he is the new ruler. And he's a horrible guy too. And he executes John the Baptist. And so this is the time now towards the end of Jesus' life, where he is moving towards the cross, the whole reason the light came. He is moving to be crucified for our sins. And we see that, that Herod, the son of Herod the Great, calls in Jesus. And I just wanted to show you this. After Jesus has been arrested, and as Jesus is about to go to the cross, I, I want to show you how this struggle continues. And it's in Luke 23, verse 8. And it says, When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased. Because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracle. And he plied with him many questions. But catch this, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests, the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. And then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. And that is where we see our Lord and our Savior is moving towards the cross. But did you notice what Jesus does in this epic struggle between Herod, between dark and light? Nothing. 
says nothing. It's like the biggest non-battle in all of history. See, in this struggle, the question, it's not, is the hero strong enough? Can Jesus be strong enough to beat all the evil in this world? You know, we even think like many of us think, well, there's God and there's Satan and there's this big, big epic battle. I want you to understand, it's not even close. He is the creator. He is God with us who is to come to be with us. Satan is one of his created angels who turned against him. And it's like there's a, an old uh, Seinfeld episode where uh, Kramer is ruling the dojo and, you know, he's taken out everybody and he's number one. And then we find out that everybody in the class is like eight. It's not even that. It is so far beyond. I mean, Jesus is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And then he comes humbly in a stable, the creator of the universe. And there's no room, there's no place even for him to stay here. You know, I'm going to show you a slide here. Uh, we've got a bunch of, do you know what all these uh, characters have in common here? Every single one of them, surprise, is the villain. That cute little lamb is the villain, right? And see, we've got a huge surprise in this struggle that it's actually not Jesus versus Herod. It's not even Jesus versus Satan. The question is, who is the bad guy in the struggle between light and darkness? And it's not Rome like everyone expected. The problem the fight, the darkness, it is so much closer. And the darkness is so much bigger. And precisely what he came to fight was the sin that is within you and the sin that's within me. And Jesus, he came to conquer, but he didn't come to conquer the bad guys. He came to conquer the bad that's in every guy and every gal. He actually came to fight what's within us. And he came for a victory and he came to vanquish, but really more than anything, he came to rescue. See, there's a great surprise in the struggle against dark and light. And that Jesus actually, he doesn't come to defeat the villains, he comes to save them. He comes to love them. He doesn't come to, to defeat his enemies. He comes to call them back and to rescue them and to bring them into relationship with him. Paul talks about this in Colossians. Let me just read this for you really quick. Colossians 1, verse 21. It says, once you were alienated from God, catch this, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. And I want you to understand that that is where we start. That's our natural state. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firmed, not moved from the hope held out in this amazing gospel, this good news that God has given us. And I want you to know that that is actually, whether you feel like it or not, that is where we are. We are on the outside. We are opposed, mostly because we haven't met him and let him be king of our hearts. And until we come to Christ, until we move through Christ, there is no way to the Father. And so the struggle of all struggle, the light comes into the darkness. And it wasn't fought by a superhero. It wasn't fought by, you know, a police officer who had got called back out of retirement or some ex-Navy SEAL or some warrior. It was fought by a baby coming in a stable 
in a small country, in a small little town, who became a servant, who sacrificed his life. And yes, he won, and yes, he conquered, and yes, he did provide a way out of sin for all of us. See, we, we like to think, most of us, we like to think that our sin really isn't that bad, don't we? I mean, comparatively, we're not as bad as them. Right, I'm only human, right? I'm basically, I'm basically a good person. See, but the problem, the problem with that thought is that it completely and entirely underestimates how valuable people are to God. It's like this. I've got four daughters, and you cannot misuse, you cannot abuse, you cannot hurt my daughters, and it'd be no big deal. They're my daughters. It's going to be a big deal. And you have to understand is that you can't load up your sin on another person, or, or you can't bring pain or corruption or tear down another person, or even on yourself and say it's no big deal because God says, wait a second, that's my child. That's my creation. To God, it's always a big deal because you are so incredibly valuable to him. And the other problem that we say, you know, well, it's just a little sin. I don't have a lot of sin. I'm basically a good person is it doesn't understand how perfect God is. It's like this. So let's say tomorrow that I decide I'm going to make you waffles, Christmas waffles. And I make these wonderful waffles. My mom used to put bacon in them. I mean, that can it get any better than that. And so I make these waffles and then, you know, those little sifters that you put the powdered sugar on, but instead of powdered sugar, I take your waffles and I put just a little plague on there. And I spread out just a little E. coli. And I say, here's your waffles. See, that's the problem. Just a little sin is just like that. But, but if we're really honest, you know, if we're really honest with ourselves, I don't think any of us would say, I just have a little sin. I mean, let's get into our thought life. Let's get into our motives. Let's get into our judgments that we hold against one another. You know, when we get up here, it's like, oh my goodness, I'm not that good of a person after all. The things that I think, things that I chase after. But here's the beautiful part. Unlike the waffles, God couldn't throw you out. God couldn't just be done with you. He couldn't say, well, that, that's corrupted and it's no good. It just, I guess we're just going to have to start over because he loved you too much. And that's the reason for the manger and that's the reason for the stable and that's the reason for the cross because he had to do something. See, we are all stuck. We have inherited sin and like it or not, we have deliberately chosen sin and we have deliberately invited darkness into our hearts. And darkness is where we are. Darkness is where we remain until Christmas. And the light invades the darkness. And the way is shown to go forward and to come out. I want you to understand this. We are separated from God until Christmas. I want you to understand that God does not send people to hell. God rescues people to heaven. And the light comes in the darkness so you can be reunited with God again. And see, but defeating evil, it's so much more difficult and so much more complicated than taking a lightsaber to Darth Vader and being done with it. Because the sin is more like a fabric. 
And it's woven in your life and goes throughout all. And yes, there's good and there's nobility and there's beauty in you. But then there's darkness and there's corruption and there's brokenness through our own choices and through what we've inherited. And it's worked its way into our hearts and into our minds and throughout our lives. But to just destroy it, to come and get rid of it would be to destroy us. So instead, Jesus paid for it. Instead, Jesus reconciled. The cross, the whole reason for all of this was the cross. So he would come and pay the price for your sin. That's why this is such good news. Is he made a way when there was no way. He brought light where there was no dark, no light at all. And he dealt with it once and for all. And if we come into Christ by our faith, scripture tells us that Abraham believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And in the same way, when we believe in Christ and we allow him to be king of our life, it is credited as righteousness. And we're brought into the cross and he fixes what our goodness, our very best goodness can never possibly fix because sin breaks relationship with other people, doesn't it? And sin also breaks relationship with God. And sin separates you from where you were meant to be and what God had in mind, the greatness and closeness. See, you were meant for better. You were meant for more. Do you know the reason that you were created was to be close to your creator? And if you haven't experienced that, if you don't know that, there's a reason why you're saying, well, there's got to be more. And even in him, I know we all say, oh, Lord, I just want more of you. And Jesus battles the evil and he fights against sin. Why? So you and I could come back to the table. So we could be part of the family again. So we could take the rightful place that he had in mind for us. I found uh, this ad I want to show you. And it's actually, it's a Chevrolet ad. But um, I think if you would just think about it, in the way of what Christ has done. That, that this woman who is on the outside is brought into the family, and in the same way, we are on the outside, and Jesus comes and brings us back into the family. No matter where you are, no matter why you're there. Let's go ahead and show that, please. days in that life, but uh, the love is always there. More bad days than good? But some days is when she doesn't even recognize me. Oh, 
That's what Jesus does. You know, I'm not telling you this because I want more people at our church. And I'm not telling you this because, oh, I just want more people like me who think like me. I'm telling you this because I want you to come in. I want you to come sit at the table. I want you to know him. I want you to be with him because he's so beautiful and he's so good and he's so kind and there is a place for you at the table. And listen, even if you come to the table and maybe you're sitting at the end, he wants you to come up and sit right next to him. He wants you to be there. He wants you to be with him. I'm telling you this because he loves you so much. I'm telling you this because he's so beautiful and he's so good. And I'll tell you, in your heart of hearts, the thing that you are longing for, the only answer that I have found is Jesus to know the Father through Christ, to have a relationship with my creator. And whether you know it or not, you've been, if you're not in Christ, you're sitting on the outside and he's like, come on. Just come to the table. There's a place for you. He won a place at the table for you, and it wasn't through a warrior. It was a baby. It was a baby who came from heaven, and he lived humbly, and he showed us the way, and he carried our burden, and he died in our place. And because he is perfect, because he is the son of God, listen, it was enough. It was enough, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, it is enough to bring you to the table. It's enough to bring you closer in the table. And yeah, heaven is the goal. It brings you into heaven and it brings you into salvation, but you have to understand there is so much more. It's a walk with your creator and God for the rest of your life. It's a growing relationship. It's not a religion. It is a way to communicate and talk and be with and come closer to know God like you can't know him outside of Christ. It's to have peace with God and a complete connection with God, to have direction from God and to have fellowship with God, to really be his child. And he came in a stable. Why? To show you the real fight. 
It wasn't the bad guy. It was the darkness within us. And so he came humbly for your peace, to fight for your peace, which comes from his sacrifice, to fight for your connection with your creator, which comes with his humble reaching out to you, to fight for your forgiveness, which comes with his selfless payment that he gave on the cross. Why? Because God deemed you too precious to lose. The evil had to be dealt with. The darkness had to be chased away. The distance between you and God had to be closed. Do you see how much he wanted you? Do you see how much he wants you to be free? That is what he desires. And that's what he offers you today. No longer to be controlled and captive by your own little kingdom or your own sin or your own guilt, no matter how big, no matter how small. That in Christ, he removes all of what you have done and all that has been done to you and he makes you clean. And he heals the, the distance. He closes the separation so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be saved, so that you can be near, and so that you can be changed. And I want you to know he will change you. It's not just a prayer. It's not just a moment. It's eternity. It's a lifetime. It's the rest of your life to walk with your God. And it had to be done like that. Light had to come in the darkness. The evil had to be overcome. And Jesus had to fight the fight. And John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever will believe in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. There is no other hero. There is no other strategy. There is no other way. But I'll tell you something. You and I, we would never tell that woman in that ad. We would never say, hey, try harder. We just say, come near. Come back. Come in, come to my table. And I want you to know that God would say the same thing to you. He's not saying, try harder. He's just saying, come here, come to the table. Be near, I wanna be close to you right now. So I wanna give you a chance right now to start this relationship with Jesus. You know, it's an amazing thing. When you give your life to Christ right there, boom, you become his child. You become his forever, for all of eternity. You are saved from hell. You are saved to heaven. You are saved from separation. But then you spend the rest of your life getting to know him and growing closer to him as you're gonna walk with him in all of eternity. So I'm just gonna ask everyone right now, if you just, just bow your heads right now, I wanna give everybody their own moment with Jesus because this is just you and Jesus right now. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And if that's you, if you want to have that relationship with your God, if you want to be brought near, if you want to give your life to Jesus, which will start to change your life, he's going to make you different. He's going to, it's called sanctification, this process. He's going to change you. But first of all, he's going to come near to you. And if you want that relationship, if you want to know him, if you want to walk with your God, well, while no one else is looking right now, just raise your hand up. We're going to just put a little, uh, uh, some help, some tools next to you while we do that. Just raise your hand right now, if that's you. Praise God. Keep him up for just a minute. If that's you, raise your hand. Don't miss your chance to give your life to Christ. Right up here in front, right over here. Raise him up high. There's more. 
Now is the time of your salvation. Now is the time to know him. Right up here in the very front. Brunel, right here. If that's you, just raise your hand up right now. Right there in the middle. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right here, Sarah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, now this is what we're going to do is we're just going to pray this prayer. We're going to invite Jesus in. We're going to start with him. What actually you're doing is you're saying, okay, I'm not the king anymore. You're the king. And you're allowing yourself to walk with him and draw near to him. And this prayer is the beginning of a transformation for the rest of your life. So just pray this prayer with me, especially if you raise your hand, pray and just say, dear Jesus, I admit that I've sinned and I need a savior. And I give you my life and I give you my heart and I declare you're my king. Forgive me. Bring me to your table. Walk with me for the rest of my life. I give you all that I have, Lord Jesus. I am yours. So Father, I thank you for everyone now who has prayed that prayer. And I ask God that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. You promised us, Lord, that as soon as we come in and as soon as we put our faith into Christ, as soon as we make you, Lord, that you actually come and you dwell with us. And so, Lord, come and dwell with them right now. Fill them, Lord. That's what Christmas is, Emmanuel, God with us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill them, that you would strengthen them. And Lord, I pray that your peace that passes all understanding would fall on them, that your power would fall on them, your gifts would be given to them, your grace would be near them. Lord, change the way that they look at everything, God, that they would see it through the eyes of their loving Savior. I thank you, God, that they are yours. I thank you that they are forgiven, that they are now, they have a place at the table in you. I thank you, Lord, that we are your children. I thank you, Lord, for forgiveness that we have in you. I thank you, Jesus, for how you came and you gave your life for us so that we could be with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we welcome our brothers and sisters there? Just praise God. Praise God. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to understand that this is just the beginning. And so what it takes now is a lifetime of drawing near and getting to know him more and more and more. And that, that peace that you feel right now, I want to tell you there's more. And the life that you feel, there's more. So you need to get yourself into a church. And if it's this church, we more than welcome you. If it's another church, that's great. There's great churches in town, maybe great churches where you're from too. So just make sure that you start growing and moving. And we've given you a couple tools to help you start. And those of you who are already there in Christ, who know him, First of all, if you don't have a church home, I want to invite you to come to this one. You are welcome to come here. We have to grow together and change and get to know him more. And if you are regular and connecting with him, now the question is, okay, he has given us this most precious gift, his only son. Now, what do we give back to him? I ran across this uh, short story by a 19th century author. His name is O. Henry. 
That's called the gift of the Magi. I love this little gift. It's kind of the way that he would write stories, but it's about this really poor couple, brand new married couple. They're living in this little flat. They can't afford anything. They only have two things. She only has one thing, and then she has this beautiful long hair, and that's really the only thing that she has. And he has one little pocket watch that he got from his grandfather, this beautiful pocket watch, and that's it. They have nothing else, and it's Christmas Eve, and they want to get each other a gift, but they have absolutely no money. So uh, she cuts her hair and she sells her hair. And then with the money, then she gets a little platinum chain for his pocket watch because she thought it deserved a, a better chain. And so they come in and then you find the irony of it because um, he wanted to get her some beautiful combs. He got her these beautiful combs for her hair and brushes for her hair. And the way that he did it is he sold his pocket watch. A great little story. And uh, I want to show you what O. Henry, he gives us a, a little quote about that. If you'd bring that up for me, please. It says, the Magi, as you know, were wise, wise men, wonderfully wise men who brought gifts to the babe in the manger. They invented the art of giving Christmas presents. Being wise, their gifts were no doubt wise ones, possibly bearing the privilege of exchange in case of duplication. And here I have a lamely related to you, the uneventful chronicle of two foolish children in a flat who's most unwisely sacrificed for each other, the greatest treasures of their house. But in the last word to the wise of these days, let it be said that of all who give the gifts, these two were the wisest. Oh, all who give and receive gifts such as they are the wisest. Everywhere they are, they are the Magi. And so the question is, what do we give? What's our response to God with all that he has given us? What could I possibly give him? I have nothing. And our response would be the same, that this Christmas Eve, what we give him is our heart. That's the gift he desires. What we give him is our devotion. What we give him is our love. What we give him is our praise. What we give him is our gratitude. And for all that Jesus has done to bring the light into the darkness, this Christmas, let's just give him our praise. Let's give him our thanks. Let's give him our heart. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.